everybody, Bob Main here, and you are listening to another episode of today's Survival Show, helping you harness the power of choice to live life the way you want to live it on your own terms and strengthen your resolve. Here on today's Survival Show, I don't engage in a lot of tin foil hat type stuff. I just keep it rooted in common sense and talk about common sense preparedness. And today, in this subject, I want to talk about freedom from fear. That's the title of this program. Now, I want to talk about situational awareness mainly and keeping yourself safe. The reason I picked this as a survival topic is, you know, we're into a new year now. And a lot of people are making New Year's resolutions and things like that. And so I want to talk to you about shoring up some of your ability to recognize danger and how to handle it. And also I'm going to talk about dealing with some difficult people. How many of you listening to this show have a tendency sometimes to run into some difficult people? (laughs) Kind of an obvious question, right? You're probably thinking, yeah, everybody does. And that is true. You know, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in personal relationships, whether you're just out on the street every once in a while, you're going to realize that there's going to be some difficult people out there that are going to give you a hard time. And so I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about spotting trouble before it happens and some ideas. There's a couple of blogs that I frequent and there is a podcast I listen to. So I'm going to borrow some information from them. And I'm going to put the old Bob Main twist on some of this stuff and give you some of my personal opinions as they sometimes come out on on this show. Before I get into all that, I just want to knock out a couple of quick announcements. The website, todayssurvival.com. And uh, for those of you listening on iTunes, uh, give me a review on iTunes if you haven't already. And for those of you who just stream it off the website or download it off the website, if you wouldn't mind throwing some comments on there, I'd very much appreciate that. I'm an open minded guy. Don't forget about our forum. Uh, We just had an excellent survival chat night the other night. We talked about winter preparedness and preparing in cold climates. It was very good. I was uh, quite pleased with that. We don't, you know, get into, we don't get off topic too much on our chat room. And uh, over 600 members on our forum right now. I hope you decide to become one of them if you're not a good bunch of folks that are friendly and want to help you with your preparedness ideas. There'll be a link in the show notes to join the forum. That's it. Oh, by the way, one more thing. How could I forget? Uh, Sales of my CD and my digital download have been going pretty well. I am I'm going to cut it off the end of this month, January. So what I did is, uh, several weeks ago, I combined preparedness, situational awareness, and shooting skills. I combined them all, talked about survival, talked about preparedness, some common sense ideas, talked a little bit about firearms, and talked a little bit about situational awareness, and kind of some of the stuff I'm going to cover today. But... I made my CD and digital download quite a bit different than most of my 120-something episodes. So, if you'd like to support the show and get some benefit from it, consider investing in that. 95% of the people wanted a digital download, so I'll just email you a file that you can download straight to iTunes or straight to your iPod. Go to todayssurvival.com, click the Buy Now button. I'm going to cut the sales off the end of this month and start working on version 2 sometime in February. All right, that's it for the uh, announcements. Let's dive into the main topic and talk about situational awareness and and spotting trouble before it happens to you. There's an excellent 
article that was written in Guns and Ammo magazine. And of course, this is not just about firearms, but even though it comes from Guns and Ammo magazine, it's a pretty good article on how to spot things ahead of time. And so I want to start off by saying that the things that you're most likely to see before an attack happens on you is what's called a pre-incident indicator. And see, I think your adversaries, and folks, you know what? Let me just, before I get into pre-incident indicators, let me just say this. I hope that when you're listening to this show, I hope you have not taken the mentality that it can't happen to me. Did you get a chance to listen to my previous episode yet where I interviewed John Hottaway about the Florida school board shooting? That happened back in December 14th. A lot of those people, I think, just didn't believe it could happen to them. Now, one guy just recently sent me an email comment saying that he thought that I was a little bit too hard on the school board president in that last episode. He said he thought that the school board president handled the situation pretty well and actually tried to defuse the attacker. You know what? I would agree with the listener's comment on that. Yeah, he did try to defuse the attacker. But you know what? When the shooting was all over, he said he still thought that the perpetrator was firing blanks. He was not firing blanks, folks. He wasn't a very good shot, so he missed a lot. But he wasn't firing blanks. And see, as far as the pre-incident indicators, I think that school board president did a fairly good job of picking up on the pre-incident indicators, but probably had his situational awareness been a little bit more heightened, he might have done a better job. Now, here's the problem. As mentioned in that last episode, that was a gun-free zone. What happens to people? They let their guard down because they think gun-free zones are safe. They're not safe. Now, I don't want this to be a firearms show, but I just kind of had to throw that in there. So let's talk about the pre-incident indicators. And, you know, folks, take this um, for what it's worth. I happen to think that this is stuff that is going to help you stay safe. And I don't know if you've ever had a chance to listen to Alex Haddix's Practical Defense podcast. But let me refer you to that. It's called the Practical Defense Podcast by Alex Haddix. One of the things I love about that show, and folks, I, you know, I consider all of you who listen to this show a friend of mine. Even though we've never met personally, most of you I've never met, you guys are friends of mine, and you're my internet friends. And so, what I want to say is that Alex takes a very down-to-earth, practical defense message, and he puts it out on a podcast. He doesn't really talk about guns, he talks a lot about situational awareness. You know, he talks about the things that we forget to do to provide for our own Safety. So I want to urge you to listen to that Practical Defense Podcast. Just search for that, and I'll put a link to his show in the show notes. But there are peculiar things that you're going to recognize if you know what you're looking for in that pre-incident indicator. And any one of those things alone is probably not going to be enough for you to start, you know, calling out the cavalry to come help and so forth. But... Um, You know, when two or more of these things that I'm going to talk about appear, there's definitely a need for concern. So I want to share with you how to pick up on those indicators in this show. And the reason I do this show, folks, is not, you know, for the money. This is not my full-time job. I don't, you know, I mean, I do earn a little bit from this, but not much. Just keeping the bills paid and, and a little bit of compensation for my time. That's not why I do this. I don't do it for the money. I take the money. 
I'll take the money, but I don't do it for the money. Okay, I do it because I love to do it. I lo- I do it because I want to help you. That's my goal. Is I want to be able to help you, and I want to be able to help you survive and stay safe in your life. And if I can pull that off, then I think my time is well spent, and uh, so is yours. So, picking up on a couple of these indicators is what I'd like to to talk about next, and how to recognize some of these. So, the first indicator I want to talk about is an unnatural impediment to your movement. That's one of the pre-attack indicators that you're going to find. You know, they're going to impede your movement and they're going to impede your progress somehow. And it doesn't matter... Uh, whether this is while you're walking around or if it's in your car or maybe you're riding your bike, whatever. When something stops you or causes you to go well out of your way of travel or well out of your line of travel, beware of that. And this is where a lot of people are kind of like sheep. They're in oblivion, all right? They're walking around in a state of uh, denial, thinking that, uh, well, there's nothing really going on. One of the indicators is when something impedes your progress, makes you go off course somehow. Just beware. I'm not saying be paranoid, because I don't like to talk about paranoid stuff on here. I'm just talking about just beware, okay? Stay alert. The next thing is the correlation of someone's movements towards your own. And what I mean by that is when you first notice that somebody is keeping pace with you, for example, that that should cause you some concern. That should cause you alarm. Let's say you're walking down the street and all of a sudden somebody's walking alongside you or they're walking, you know, just a little bit behind you and they're keeping pace with you. All right? It's very rare that people are going to walk at the same pace. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's rare. That should be another alert sign. You know, for example, if you stop, they stop. If you speed up, they speed up. You know, if you veer to the left, they veer to the left, and so forth. I mean, you know, the slim chances of two strangers regulating their pace precisely at the same time is very minuscule. So that's something that should cause your uh, alert buttons to rise. Okay? I mean, any sudden change of status in a person that's near you should start to make you think a little twice about what they're doing, huh? I mean, here's an example. Okay, let's say you're walking along a city street and you pass two young adults that are leaning against a wall, for example, and all of a sudden they stop loitering and they become pedestrians and start walking behind you. Right? Wouldn't that cause you to ask yourself, hmm, why are they doing this? Why were they all of a sudden just loitering, loitering around and all of a sudden now they're walking behind me? What is it that made them decide to get in and follow me. So what you want to do there is you want to regulate your pace a little bit differently. You want to change your pace up and see if they start correlating their movement with yours. Remember, that's one of the warning signs I just talked about. And if they do that, there's a strong possibility it exists that they might have something devious in mind. Okay? Now, another thing to think about is if you've been stopped unnaturally in your normal movement or If you're standing somewhere and you notice predatory movements, you might want to start taking some action to uh, to extricate yourself. So when somebody starts, you know, making these uh, predatory movements somewhere, you might want to just try to figure that out and take some ways, figure out some ways to get out of there. Okay, some of the predatory movements I want you to think about, uh, watching for, watch out for circling. Okay, two people moving in opposite directions around you. 
or one or more of those people moving around uh, or away from you and another one moving at you, things like that. Just, you know, look for those unusual signs. Okay? And, you know, these days, some kind of a verbal exchange initiated by a stranger is kind of unique. I mean, you know, back in the old days, it used to be a lot different. You know, boy, do I long for those days, huh? I long for the safer days when you didn't have to be so wary of strangers. But this is 2011, and the society we live in, folks, we have to be very vigilant. You know, gone are the days where when I was 11 years old, I just got on my bike, and I left at about 8 o'clock in the morning during the summertime, and I was gone until it was dinner time, until my mom phoned the neighbors and said, would you please send Bob home? It's dinner time. Can't do that anymore, can you? It's unfortunate but it's the world that we live in. And people are much less apt to ask a stranger anything anymore. Attacks can sometimes be predicated on things, you know, such as somebody coming up and saying, hey man, you got a dollar, you know, can you spare a dollar? Or, or do you know where so-and-so is? Or, hey, do you have the time, man? What time is it? Okay. I mean, obviously, don't be ready to launch into the offensive when somebody somebody does this, but it should make you put your guard up. It should give you a little bit of concern. It should make you think about the situation and analyze what's going on. So what you might want to do in that situation is just simply simply take a step back, away from the person, and look to the sides quickly. You want to check... Uh, around you the best that you can and see what's happening. It's doubtful the person is the real attacker. One of the reasons you want to look to the side is usually the attack is coming from the side. The person talking to you is trying to deflect your attention. They're trying to distract you. Okay. Uh, Another thing I want to talk about is target glancing or avenue of escape glancing. That's a pretty reliable indicator that something's about to happen. Okay, what this does, and something I want you to understand here, is what this does is it basically uh, indicates that the criminal is sizing you up. He's identifying escape routes and things like that. He's confirming that there are no police in the area and so forth. And he's trying to figure out what he's going to do next after the attack. And this is kind of noticeable when you see a person glancing in your direction several times and then they glance away. They can't keep their eyes fixed on you very long. They look at you, they glance away, they look back at you, they glance away again, and they keep looking back at you. That's a warning sign I want you to watch out for. See, these are all things that, uh, little body language indicators that you should be looking for and so forth. You know, a lot of communication is nonverbal, folks. It's said that probably anywhere between 75 and 85% of communication is non-verbal. Okay? Makes it a little bit tough sometimes when I do this audio podcast. Uh, I'm going to start to try to produce more videos this year because it's easier and I can communicate more effectively. I do have a YouTube channel, uh, Today's Survival Show YouTube channel, and uh, I haven't put very many videos up there, but I'm going to do more of it. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to expand on this subject and put it into a video format so you can see what I'm talking about. I'll try to demonstrate some of these. So uh, I'm also going to put a link to the YouTube channel in today's show notes for this show. Be looking for that and subscribe to that so you can get the updates on what I'm talking about. 
And you can learn about new videos that I post up there, too. It's a little bit easier for you to see it rather than hear it. But I'll do the best job I can here on this uh, this uh, audio podcast. Another warning sign that I want to talk about. If you've got a person that's approaching you on an oblique path that's going to intersect with your own, you need to be aware of that. Uh, this is commonly by the criminals used as an access route to you, the target. Okay, because what they try to do is they try to keep themselves in your blind spot for as long as as they can. You might be thinking, well, Bob, how am I going to be able to see them if they're in my blind spot? I would encourage you to be glancing around. Always be aware of your surroundings as well. You know, kind of like when you're driving. You know, when you're driving and you change lanes, you check your blind spot, right? You know, a lot of people don't even think about that when they're just walking around or when they're riding their bike. They're not checking their blind spots when they're walking around. You know, so many people just kind of walk around in this state of oblivion. It's kind of frustrating. I I watch people. When I'm out there, I watch people and I see what they're doing. And 95% of the people I see are not paying attention. Please pay attention, folks. You know, I mean, I hate to talk about some of this stuff. It's kind of negative. You know, here I am talking about people attacking you. But it happens. It happens, and, you know, it's bound to happen. Folks, I hate to tell you this, sorry to spread the bad news and so forth. It's not a matter of if this is going to happen to you. It's a matter of when this is going to happen to you. So staying vigilant is is so important. Your situational awareness is so important, and that's what I'm talking about here, situational awareness. So if they're coming in on that oblique path and they're trying to hang around in your blind spot, beware of that. Something else... Whenever a person is approaching you and he has his hands hidden, beware of the hands that are being hidden. Keep an eye on him until either the hands come out of their cover or the person passes you. Uh, This happened to me about six years ago. It's what motivated me to get my concealed carry license. A guy approached me, and you know, he he approached me with one of these indicators. He came up, and he was making believe like he was asking directions. It was late at night. I was leaving a Walmart. I had just gone in to purchase some socks. I was on a business trip, forgot to take socks with me, like a dummy. Didn't pack my socks, went to Walmart. It was past midnight. I'm buying socks, so I don't have to wear my white socks with my suit pants the next day. And as I'm leaving, some scraggly-looking guy asking for directions. See, there's an indicator asking for directions, and he had his hands hidden. Now, he had his hands made into a fist, and they were one of them was jammed into his uh, coat pocket. And I wasn't sure if he was holding on to something, like holding on to a pocket gun or holding on to a knife. I wasn't sure. Fortunately, I didn't get attacked, but the guy was very, very suspicious. And and the Walmart security guard happened to show up at the right time. But had he not done that, it made me wonder. Okay, so the next week I was in a concealed carry class, and I've been carrying ever since. Because you just never know. But if somebody's got their hands hidden and you can't see them, that's an indicator. Okay? A criminal typically has their gun, their knife, or some kind of a club already out when they approach their victim. But they try to conceal it as long as possible on the approach. And a lot of times they hold it discreetly in their arm or their leg or inside their coat or inside their pocket. That's also an indicator you need to be looking for. Another indicator that I want to talk about is any bump 
or shove or or push that is that is levied upon you should be an alarm to you. It could be a pickpocket attempt. It might be a setup. It, it, it might be just a, um, an impatient person. But whatever the case, if this occurs, you also need to be alert, folks, because there's just something not right about that, you know? If someone's bumping into you, unless you're walking down a really, really crowded area, it's probably just not natural. And, and in those crowded areas is a lot of times where the pickpockets go to work. Okay, another indicator I want to talk about is the absence of other people in the area. A lot of criminals strike when there's not a lot of other people around. Why? They don't want to be seen. They don't want to be identified, if possible, by witnesses. So the relative absence of other people or or authorities or cops or something provides a criminal an excellent time to attack you. Now, sometimes this indicator is not a huge deal. But when you combine it with some of the other indicators that I was just talking about here earlier on the show, then it has enormous implications. If you've got a couple people approaching you and they're blocking your oblique path and there's not a lot of people that are in the area and they've got their hands hidden, warning sign, folks, time to be in red alert. Okay, remember, attackers strike when it's least advantageous to you. They want the element of surprise. They want the advantage on their side. Now, as you're walking about, there's another indicator that I want you to be aware of. Because there's so many drive-by shootings these days, um, most people notice cars that pull alongside them in traffic, and I want you to be very aware. Now, when you're driving your car and it's crowded, this is sometimes tough. A couple of things that I want to talk about. First of all, beware of anybody pulling up alongside of you. You need to glance at them, just a quick glance. You need to look at them. Don't stare at them. Staring at them, <laughs> you know, that makes people feel uncomfortable. You don't want to do that. But just beware and be vigilant. If you're walking... Anybody that's in a car that stops alongside of you, or if they pull slightly in front of you, or if they just pull up into the rear behind you, that should serve as warning to you. Keep your eyes open on that. If the same vehicle passes you more than once, two times, three times. So, you know, be looking at vehicles out there, uh, especially even when you're driving, too. Uh, not just when you're walking, but when you're driving. Be look, be paying attention to, to what make is it, what model is it, what's the first three letters of the license plate. Have you seen that before? Uh, is this the second or third time in the last ten minutes that it's come by you? This could be an example of someone trying to check you out. As you're paying attention to people in other cars, be wary if someone's obviously intoxicated. Obviously, that's a huge indicator, isn't it? Okay, now, here's something else. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever noticed glances between strangers as they approach or impede, hail, or otherwise interact with you? Okay? In other words, have you ever noticed two people glancing at each other as they approach you? This typically occurs when criminals are just shy of launching their attack. There is body language that they will give off. They're looking at each other. 
to make sure each other's ready. It's kind of a ready check. They're also taking a last quick look around the scene for cops, and they're glancing at their escape route to make sure that their escape route is clear. Beware of that. If it's two people you don't know, and they're glancing at each other, and they're coming in your direction, and they're glancing around, beware of that. Okay, anytime you're confronted by more than one person, and the first one's in your face, keep your eyes not just on him, but also be watching the calmest person in the altercation. See, it's always the quiet ones you have to watch out for, isn't it? Be focused on the the calm one as well. Especially if it's a verbal altercation. Sometimes the one that's real violent verbally, sometimes the one that's the loudest is not the one that's the most harm. It's the quieter one that's going to launch the attack. So keep looking around. I hope you don't find yourself in this position, folks. I really don't. But I'm just trying to give you some warning signs if you are in that position. Keep looking around at the whole picture. And if you have to strike, then pick one target and strike. You know, if you have to defend yourself, defend yourself. But, you know, if you can be looking for these signs, if you can pick up on these things, I think you're going to be a little bit safer. Would you agree? Now, another technique that sometimes criminals use is baiting. Uh, Obvious attempts at baiting you are usually um, conducted because they want to launch an attack. Here's the thing I want to share with you. Don't take the bait. Stay calm, keep your hands up, And be ready to strike or block them and keep on moving. See, the best thing you can do is if you make yourself a moving target. If you have your defenses up and make yourself a moving target. I'm not just talking about, you know, is somebody shooting at you. I'm talking about even if it's a face-to-face confrontation. If it's an up-close-and-personal confrontation. If it's a hands-to-hands confrontation or fist-to-fist. Make yourself a moving target. Moving targets are always harder to hit, folks. They're always harder to hit. Generally, criminals are not going to be very well trained either. Uh, if you can take a self-defense class, you know, I know that Alex Haddix, for those of you who live out in California, look up Alex Haddix. He teaches a lot of classes out there in California. For some of you who listen to me from California, check that out. Um, you know, almost any good martial arts school teaches basic self-defense, and they'll talk about some of these things that I'm talking about here on this show. So if you can take some of those classes, I'd strongly recommend it. I've taken a few, and they're very, very well worth it. And then you need to practice this stuff. You know, just kind of practice this stuff in the mirror if you can. But don't take the bait. Stay calm, keep your hands up, be ready to strike or block, and keep moving around. Okay? If there's other people in the area, here's something, here's another tip for you. If there's other people in the area and you feel like you're being attacked, move towards them. Go towards the other people in the in the area. Go towards the stranger, strangers. Try to get their attention. Okay, try to get them engaged because guess what? The criminal doesn't want to be spotted. Again, they don't want to be identified. They don't want to be caught. They don't want to have any eyewitnesses as to what's going on. They also, in the back of their mind, may think that a stranger might come to your aid. And, of course, they don't want to be slowed down, and they don't want somebody to impede the the nasty, dirty deed that they're about to perpetrate on you. Okay? So I've just tried to paint a picture here. Of some of the things that happens before something uh, an attack happens. And you know what, folks? A lot of what I just talked about happens in mere seconds. doesn't take very long. 
And uh, as I mentioned previously, any one of these things by themselves might not be a reason for you to all of a sudden start pulling out artillery or pulling out whatever self-defense mechanisms you have, but two or three of them combined, that's when you need to start paying close attention. That's when it could cause some anxiety for you and you need to be ready. Okay, and if you wait too long to act you're going to be in trouble. And the chances of avoiding or surviving are severely decreased. The more seconds that tick by where you haven't picked up on any of this stuff, if you're not paying attention, or if you don't know some simple ways to defend yourself, the more seconds that go by, the more advantage the criminal has. So, let me do a quick review, and then I'm going to move into the next segment, which is dealing with some difficult people out there. Let me just do a quick review of what to watch out for when people are going to try to attack you. Unnatural impediment to your movement. The correlation of someone else's movement to yours. And any sudden change in a person's status as you get near or you pass them. See, this is one I didn't cover too much before. If someone's status changes, in other words, if their demeanor changes or their position changes as you start to get closer to them, beware of that. Uh, look for predatory movements, things like circling, where you got two or more people moving in opposite directions. Verbal confrontations initiated by a stranger. Remember I talked about that. And I covered target glancing. And I talked about people closing in on you from an oblique angle and they start to intersect your path. That's a classic right there. That's a big warning sign right there. Any hidden hands. Remember you know just think about double H hidden hands. Okay, if you don't get anything else from this podcast, be watching for people's hidden hands, what's going on, where their hands are. If they bump you, shove you, push you, or grab you for some reason, obviously that's a huge warning sign. The absence, remember I talked about the absence of other people in the area. You know, um, sometimes crowded environments are safer than environments where there's nobody around. Think about that. Be wary of cars that come up alongside you or slightly in front of you or or near you as you're walking. Intoxicated people, obviously. Vehicles that pass you more than one time, two or three times. Uh, Strangers glancing at each other as they approach you or as they try to impede your progress and things like that, okay? Um, And remember, the calmest appearing person. The calmest one, the quiet one in a verbal altercation is oftentimes the more dangerous one. It's not always the guy that's in your face. It's not always the one that's being the most vocal. That's the dangerous one. It's the quiet one. Okay? So that concludes segment number one here of situational awareness and trying to uh, get freedom from fear. Spotting trouble before it hits you and before it happens to you. So let's take a quick break here. 15 seconds worth of music and I'll be back on for part number two dealing with some difficult people. Don't go away. Okay, folks, um, back for segment number two. Now, 
There's a good website that I love to read called No Nonsense Self-Defense. And I'm going to link to that too. And this comes from No Nonsense Self-Defense. And a lot of it is about dealing with difficult people. Now, this is specifically geared towards the workplace. But I'm going to tailor it a little bit just to everyday life. Okay, let's say you encounter a difficult person. What do you do? What's the next step? Okay, you've identified this is a problem person here. So here's some some things I want you to consider. First of all, a word of caution. Before you talk with the actual person causing you some problems, there's a few things you need to consider first about about the conditions. Are you going to put yourself in any kind of a danger by speaking with this person? Sometimes people just get real foolish, folks. They start talking to people when you really don't need to be talking. Okay? Sometimes just leaving the scene and getting away. But sometimes people start, you know, they get this chest-pounding ego, and all of a sudden they feel like they have to engage this person. Most of the time, it's going to be better to walk away, or it's going to be better to get yourself out of the situation. Okay, so ask yourself, are you going to put yourself in danger by talking to this person? Next, do you believe that the problem that exists is one that maybe a, where a law has been broken or a crime has, has been committed? And if that's the case, then obviously you want to try to remove your situation, remove yourself from that situation as much as you can, and please don't talk with that person or don't engage with that person because then you could be implemented or implicated, excuse me, I meant to say implicated in that crime. Now, let's talk about the workplace, for example, because sometimes, you know, conflicts happen in the workplace. And, you know, I don't talk too much about about business survival on this show, but I'm going to take this opportunity here in segment number two to talk a little bit about surviving in business. Because, folks, you know what? Uh, If you're lucky enough to be gainfully employed right now, I know unemployment's a huge problem right now, but some of us do still have jobs like me and so forth, and sometimes you have difficult people where you work, right? (laughs) If you say no, you're you're lying, right? How many places do you work where there's not difficult people? So if there's someone in your organization, in your company that you need to be talking to, but they're difficult, let me share with you a, a, a few things to think about. Think about the person's position in the organization. You know, does it really make a difference what their position in the organization is? Yes, whether you like it or not. Whether they're a boss or a coworker, you need to decide how the individual's position is going to affect you and how your talk with that person is going to affect you and how their position might affect how your talk turns out. Okay, here's an example. If the people that you're about to confront, if the person you're going to talk to is your boss, consider how you present this and how you say it could be a lot different than how you present it to a co-worker. And let me stop here uh, and get off the article here for a minute and talk about just the way you say it. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's how you approach it. Okay. Whenever dealing with a difficult person, I like to inge- inject benefits. I like to say, hey, look, you know what? I know we have a conflict here. I know we have a difficult situation here. But you know what? I have a solution that I think is going to benefit both of us. Are you interested in that? And it kind of diffuses them. It kind of throws them a little bit off. You know, they're not expecting you to say that. If someone's confronting you, they're expecting you to fight back. Try to diffuse it a little bit. Hey, you know what? I I have a solution, and I think this is going to be win-win. I think you and I are both going to gain from this. Now, don't try that unless you really do have 
a solution, okay? <laughs> don't because you know once they figure out you're BSing them, it's going to make this, the matter worse. So make sure you've got a potential solution that can help solve the problem first. All right. Now, if the difficult person you're talking to happens to be a coworker and not your boss, then you have to ask yourself, well, okay, should I simply just bring this up in casual conversation with this person, or should I go to their boss or go to uh, my boss with it, or go to their boss with it? And that's a judgment call. I can't tell you how to figure that out. You're just going to have to kind of, you know, figure that out on your own. But sometimes uh, it's better, and you may have company policies and so forth that tell you what to do in that situation. Now, let me apply this to personal life, not just your, your business life. But let's say there's a conflict that you have with somebody. And, you know, you ask yourself, well, you know, um, if this is a family member, is this something I want to approach directly? Or do I want to go through another family member to help take care of it? Sometimes going through another family member that they're more warm and fuzzy with, that they're more receptive to. Sometimes going through another family member is going to give you uh, a little bit better chance of getting your point across. And then again, sometimes not. Some people express appreciate you know directly talking to them just think about those angles it's a judgment call that you have have to make it's not always easy to make those calls i understand these judgment calls are a little bit tough but you got to think think before you speak is i guess what i'm trying to say you know loose lips sink ships and sometimes people just talk way too much Okay, and if you have any doubts about how to handle this situation, it's not a bad idea sometimes to to consult with somebody that you trust, somebody more experienced in dealing with these matters. Get some advice from people. I think a big part of survival is getting advice from other people. You have to be open-minded. You know, I've always said on this show, and I'll say it again, your mind's like a parachute. It works best when it's open. And talking to other people sometimes, I mean, you know, let's talk about business, for example. Sometimes your human resources department is a good resource in situations like this and sometimes they're not sometimes maybe the person's boss might be a good resource okay if you work at a place where there's a union maybe your union representative is a source for you that you might want to consider talking to as well okay now once you determine it's time to talk and let's say you're going to be talking with the person privately Alright, let's say you've decided, you've made the judgment call, and you think it's time to talk to them privately. And folks, I'm going to tell you, usually, probably 85-90% of the time, talking to them one-on-one personally and trying to work it out is typically going to be the best method. So let me share with you some ideas on that. Okay, How many of you found that to be true, by the way? Sometimes just going to them directly instead of going around them. Sometimes it really pisses people off when you go around them. You know, they just appreciate it if you have a problem with them, that you bring it to them. I'm that way. I'm that way. If some of you have a problem with my show, a problem with my blog, a problem with the website, the forum, you know, people, some of you have done it. Some of you have come to me directly. As a matter of fact, it really bothers me when somebody goes into a public format and just blasts me. I've had people blast me in private, and that's okay. I don't mind it. You know, I think it's constructive. A lot of people are very respectful when they send me comments, and they give me pretty good constructive criticism. Recently, somebody sent me a really long email, two of them, and he had some pretty good ideas. Some of them I disagree with vehemently, and some of them I thought, okay, yeah, you know what? And I'm going to address that here a little bit towards the end of the show. But 
you know, I thought, well, okay, he's he's got some valid points. He did it in private. He didn't just get on the forum and start blasting away at me in a public format. I've had that happen to me before. I think that's cheap, I think it's rude, and I think it's cowardly. Now, if you bring that, if you bring something to my attention, if you have a problem with something I say, and I don't attempt to handle it with you, if I blow you off and ignore you, I mean, I'm not going to do that. But if somebody does, then sometimes a a public confrontation, you know, bringing it out in the open sometimes is the right thing to do. So I'm not saying it's always the right thing to do to go to them directly. But try to get the issue resolved with them directly first and then go public if you have to. So when you when you decide it's time to talk to that person, to start with, indicate that the reason you wanted to talk to them, to talk to this person, is to discuss an issue that is of concern to you. And present the issue as objectively as you can and say why it concerns you. And ask him if they seem to understand what the issue is. See, because sometimes they don't understand. And sometimes you might be thinking you're on the same page, and, and you're not. And then the next step is to tell the person you want to discuss a solution to it. Most human beings are solution-oriented. They want to resolve problems. They don't want to perpetuate them. So ask them for their ideas. See, I love this technique right here. Ask them for their ideas on how to best deal with this problem. I think when you get people involved like that, when you go to them and say, hey, look, you know what? There's something that's concerning to me, John. And John, here's what's concerning to me. Okay, uh, you know, and you state your problem. And then you ask them, hey, John, what do you think? You know, this is kind of, a, this is something that's of, of concern to me. What do you think about, what would you, what, what do you think we can do to help resolve this? You know, do you have any ideas? Do you have some creative thoughts that could help uh, solve this situation? Whenever you make them take ownership of it like that, even if it's not their problem, it's yours, you make them help, you, you have them help you take ownership, or you get them to take ownership of the problem that you're experiencing. It works, folks. Trust me. It works. Just start asking questions. Um, suggest some ideas on your own. And when you suggest an idea, always follow it up with a question. Say, hey, what do you think of that? Does that make sense to you? Is that something that you think is feasible? Learn to ask those kinds of questions. Is that something that makes sense to you? Is that feasible? What do you think of that? Is that something that you think is doable? Okay, I love to ask those tie-down questions. Those are called tie-downs. Okay, you're tying them down. You're making them say yes or no. And you're going to get an answer. Yeah, oh yeah, sure, I think that's doable. Yeah, sure, no problem. Or you're going to say, no, nope, you're way off base. They're going to say, no, nope, you're, you're full of it on that, Bob. It's just not getting, nope, no, nope, bad idea. Okay, fine. At least now you know where you stand. You're getting them involved. Think about this. Ask if they mind if you write their ideas down as they're talking. See, this is the other thing. I like to use these words all the time, folks, whether I'm in business, whether I'm talking to family. Okay, I like to say, uh, you know what? Let me make a note of that. I like to say, let me make a note of that. Sometimes I'll whip out my iPhone and I'll whip out the notes feature and I'll start typing in the notes feature some notes on what they're talking to me about. Most often I do this in business or I do this in public. I typically don't do this in private, but you know what? I did this with my son the other day. I said, hey, let me make a note of that. And he really appreciated that. You know what? By doing that, it told him I'm listening and I care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it said to my son, you know what? I care. And by him seeing 
that I cared enough to make a note of that, guess what? He kind of smiled. I, I could see a smile come across his face like, hey, well, you know, Dad really cares about this. Think about that, folks. Learn to use the words, let me make a note of that. So as you ask them, hey, do you mind if I write your ideas down? As soon as they give you an idea, what are you going to say? Let me make a note of that. Okay. Next, suggest trying one of the solutions that both of you agree upon. You can use this with your family too, folks, or any kind of relationship. Agree on a solution and suggest, hey, let's try it. And set a time date as to when you're going to try it. Set a time frame to it. Hey, you know what? That's a good solution. Do you think we can do that in a week? Yeah, yeah, I think we can do it in a week. Okay, great, great. You think a week is fine? Let me make a note of that and put that in your notes. Hey, we're going to resolve this about a week from today. Okay, those types of things work, folks. And as I mentioned earlier, one set of steps or one solution can some, sometimes re- resolve an issue. And sometimes not. Sometimes it's not just one step. Sometimes it's multiple steps. But you've got to go through this process, and there is a clear and distinct process in trying to resolve problems with people. I can tell you one thing that doesn't work. What doesn't work is getting belligerent. What doesn't work is getting violent or using foul language or getting your ego all bent out of shape. Remaining calm, remaining, you know, using some common sense and things like that, that typically works. And calming your demeanor. Is, is something that I want to uh, you know begin to close with here. Calming your demeanor whenever there's any kind of a conflict. You know, I think people sometimes when there's a conflict, you know, they're waiting for you to get bent out of shape. They're waiting for you to get violent. They're waiting for you to screw up. And if you start to get bent out of shape, if you start using foul language and getting angry, you're going to screw up. And then they've got something they can use against you. So solving conflicts, folks, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it, there's a process. This is an art. This is an art form. This is negotiation. This is salesmanship, okay? It's called people skills, and I think people skills is a big part of survival. So again, this is an excellent uh, article that's on the website, No Nonsense Self-Defense, and it's about communication. See, you've got to remember something. Freedom for fear also means being able to communicate with people. Okay, I'll say that again. The title of this show is Freedom from Fear. And it also means being able to resolve problems and communicate effectively. Sometimes fear is caused because we can't communicate with somebody. We can't resolve something, so we're not really sure how it's going to turn out. And it causes fear. It causes anxiety. It causes people to get really upset because, you know what, it's something that's lingering in their mind. It's an unresolved issue. So I hoped that some of what I covered in the first segment about looking for the danger signs, looking for the warning signs that something bad is about to happen to you, um, that situational awareness, that vigilance, I hope that some of what I covered in, in, in segment number one helps you prevent some situations. You know, for gosh sakes, folks, I sincerely hope that you don't find yourself in a situation where someone wants to attack you. But you know what? The reality of it is, someday you will. If you go the rest of your life and nobody ever tries to do anything violent to you, great. That's awesome. I I think that's fantastic. Consider yourself lucky. But some of us, most of us, 
are going to find yourself find ourselves in that situation. And I hope you remember some things I talked about in this podcast. I hope you remember some things I talked about in segment one. And when you finally decide that, okay, I'm going to have to con- confront this person. I'm going to have to deal with this person. You know, I can't get out of the situation. It's not practical for me to get out of the situation. I'm in it. Hopefully what I've talked about in segment number two, asking some of the right questions and learning how to deal with people, Hopefully that gives you some some effectiveness in being able to get your point across and get the su- solution resolved. And you know, folks, if there's a disaster that happens of some kind, you know, a lot of people say, well, Bob, you know, what does all this stuff have to do with survival? All this people skills and negotiating skills and all that and dealing with difficult people. I think it has a lot to do with survival. I think it has a lot to do with common sense preparation because in a disaster, I've said this many times, after some tragic event has happened, or some kind of a disaster, people are stressed. People are more stressed out than they are in their normal lives. And folks, it doesn't have to be some catastrophic huge event that happens to cause people to get stressed. You need to have to have a plan to deal with these people, okay? So, uh, thanks for tuning in, folks, and uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this show. Uh, Next week, I'm going to have one of our forum members on again. We're going to talk about family planning. We're going to talk about survival planning. We're going to talk about disaster preparedness planning. Uh, We're going to talk about some seasonal winter preparations and things like that, so it'll be an interview. It won't just be me talking all the time. But I hope you got something out of this episode. So, folks, my name is Bob Main. You've just listened to another episode of what I believe is an excellent common sense, no tinfoil hat show called Today's Survival Show. It's been my goal to help you harness the power of choice, to live life the way you want, to strengthen your resolve, to be able to heighten your situational awareness and learn how to deal with some difficult people out there. And I hope I've accomplished that goal, folks. So as Teddy Roosevelt once said, and I love to sign off with this, do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I'll catch you next time.